On this week's episode of I Believe Now What, we are going to be diving into Matthew chapter 6 and doing something we don't normally do with our Bible studies, and that is giving a very broad overview of the chapter, but really looking at the moral implications for what Jesus is saying here and how they apply to our everyday lives today. Well, with that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode, and once again, welcome back. Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? Welcome back to another episode, everybody. I hope you all are having a wonderful week out there. If this is your first time listening, I Believe Now What is a podcast that is really answered in the name. We want to talk about the now what. So with that, we talk about Bible studies, topical studies. We'll talk about current events, anything relative to the Christian and their everyday walk of life is what we go over on this podcast. And today we are diving back into our Bible. And last episode, I was about to say last week, but last episode was we were in Matthew chapter 5, and you know, we're in Matthew chapter 6 now. And this is honestly just a very, very good lesson for us to learn and relevant for us today. You know, normally I like going through the Bible, breaking it down verse by verse. Uh, You know, really I could spend an hour on just three or four verses and just really diving in to what they're saying. And Matthew 6 can honestly be broken up into many sermons, but I want to look at the overall view of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Once again, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus just, just blowing minds left and right by telling people that if they want to get to the kingdom of heaven, their righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And then not only that, at the end of chapter 5, he says, therefore you are to be as perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So you could just picture how mind-blown some people probably were. Because here's this guy who's saying, if we want to go to heaven... Our righteousness has to be better than the scribes and Pharisees. I mean, these were the religious superstars of the day. Nobody could be better than them. And then if that wasn't tough enough, he says, therefore, you are to be as perfect as God is perfect. That's impossible. And absolutely right. It is possible. But what Jesus is doing with all this throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount really projected onto his entire ministry is setting the stage to show you that you can't be as perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So you can't get to heaven on your own, but instead have faith in Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins, who is the sacrifice for our sins, who is the acceptable sacrifice by God, given proof by the resurrection of Christ. And through faith in Christ, we receive his imputed righteousness, which makes us essentially as perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. And I almost feel weird saying that. It's like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, God. Oh, but praise the Lord for his Son, Jesus Christ, who saved us from all that. But that's the implication of where we're at. I started almost breaking out into a sermon myself. So Matthew 6, I want to read to you the very first verse. And this is how Jesus starts it off. Now, he just got done saying, therefore, be as perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, and then drops this statement. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. And honestly, this is a direct attack on the very religious Pharisees of that time, because he's pretty much labeling all the different things that they do. He's talking about giving to the poor, 
Don't do it superficially. He talks about uh, fasting. He talks about the anxiety and other things of that nature. Prayer. You know, he goes through all these different topics and really just kind of lays into the superficialness of it all. So one way I heard a pastor once say this is it's not good enough to just say, oh, well, I go to church, you know, or something like that, uh, when, when you're thinking about your own quote-unquote righteousness, but rather who you really are. So how do you know who you really are? Well, I don't think it's who you are when you're in front of other people. Sometimes people's true colors do come out. I don't want to generalize completely. But really, who you are is who you are when you are all alone by yourself. And I'm talking about when no one's watching, your wife, your husband, your kids, nobody's in the room with you, nothing. Who are you in that person? What are your reactions to tip to certain things? You know, what are the thoughts that are running through your head? That's who you really honestly are. Uh, and it was a really good eye-opening thing. You know, would I do what I'm doing right now in front of other people? It's just something to be self-aware about. So Jesus makes this statement, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And the very first example he gives is giving to the poor. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who sound a trumpet before giving to the poor. I'm sure if you've ever been on social media or Facebook or YouTube and you've seen these videos of guys setting up cameras, of them giving money to homeless people or something to that matter, people posting up pictures on their Facebook, look at me, I'm volunteering. Now, I'm not trying to judge every single heart that's in there for that, uh, but at the same time, we need to be careful of why we're doing this. Obviously, I'm not going to sit and point at somebody and say, you're only doing this so you can get popular, so you can get noticed, so you can get praised. But I will ask them, or maybe I'll say, hey, just make sure, you know, everything you're doing here, we're not being prideful, and this is all for the glory of the Lord. You know, me, who, who preaches from time to time, now that I moved, I, I, I've got to see if that's actually still an option at some churches around here, because, you know, getting established in one place and preaching there is different from moving to another state. But anyways, but w when I preach, one of my main prayers that I pray to God is, is, Lord, please do not let me get full of pride. I don't take compliments very well. Uh, and I'm not trying to sound so amazingly humble. I'm afraid that compliments will will seep into my mind and they will, it will make me prideful. I don't want that to happen to me. I need to guard myself because I self-aware, I am prone to being prideful. And God has slapped me in the face a few times because of that, you know, uh, not physically slap me in the face, but pretty much in other ways, if you understand what I'm saying. So when we're doing these things, when we're giving to the poor, you know, make sure we're not doing what Jesus said. Don't sound that trumpet before you. Don't show all this because it's the heart that truly matters behind this. And you're going to see this with all the other examples. It's the heart that behinds it. Do you really want to give to somebody just to give to them? You know, because out of your heart, you truly want to help them and you know it's the right thing to do? Or do you want to give so that way you can be noticed by other people and people can go, oh my gosh, he's so amazing. What a good person just giving money to homeless people, you know, and all these other things. I, I sound kind of condescending with my voice, but that's the truth. That's the truth to the matter. 
So we got to watch out for that. Then Jesus goes on after talking about giving, starts talking about prayers. And this is where we get Jesus' example of how to pray to God. But he says before that, make sure we're not praying out loud in the streets for people to notice us. And uh, really, you know, he's saying truly, and these are where the truly statements come in for the giving. He said truly, you know, they'll have their reward on earth. Same thing with here with praying. Truly, they'll have their reward on earth. They'll get noticed by everyone and people think they're oh so holy or whatever else they think of them because that's what their heart truly desires. That feeling of, oh, look at me, look at me. They're practicing their self-righteousness. But instead, what Jesus says about prayer, go into your, this is where we get a prayer closet from, you know, go into your closet, shut the door, make sure nobody sees you, pray there in secret. And then he says, your father will definitely make sure that you have your reward for that, you know, doing what another, now some people will try to take this out of context and say, oh, well, we shouldn't pray corporately as it, no, there's plenty of examples in the Bible for corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is a good thing. What he's talking about is hypocritical prayers. In other words, you're not praying to God in order to actually see God move mightily. You're praying to God in front of other people so other people can see you praying to God. That was the point of this message. And then lastly, Jesus goes on to talk about, well, not lastly, but lastly for these truly examples, Jesus goes on to talk about fasting. Now, if you don't know what fasting is, this is a period of time where you, in these days, they would not eat food, and they wouldn't eat food, and they would dedicate that time in, well, for various different reasons. There's different reasons why people fast. Now, today, what I know a lot of us do, and I know some people, you know, they're not really into fasting, and I'm not going to say anything on it. Me personally, I, I do think fasting works. I probably don't do it as often as I should, but I do think fasting is a good thing. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be food. Once again, just my opinion. It could be anything that we find ourselves being relying on and preoccupying our time on instead of God. And then when we take that stuff away and we replace it with prayer and with just meditating on God's word, reading the scriptures, and just really sometimes shutting up and listening to what God has to say and reflecting on it, well, that's really beneficial for us. Whether we're trying to understand something in scripture, we have prayer requests, or we're going through a time of mourning, the fasting has its place, I believe, in the New Testament and in the Bible for believers today. Now, when it comes to fasting, Jesus goes on to say, you know, don't give this gloomy face and this sorrowful appearance like the hypocrites do, because they're purposely trying to look bad so people will see them and they'll know they're fasting. You know, this is the type of person, you know, you, you, you invite them out after church. Hey, man, you want to go to McDonald's today? Instead of just saying, no, you know, we're good. We're, we're good today. And just walking about doing their business like, oh, no, we're on a fast. We're fasting today. And once again, I'm using kind of a condescending voice, and I don't mean to do that, but that's how I kind of envision it in my mind. You know, oh, we're fasting. Oh, we can't do this, you know. Now, sometimes churches do do corporate fasts, so I think in those environments, it, it's okay when you're talking with other people doing the same fast, you know, that I believe that's fine. But maybe you're doing a fast for personal reasons, you know. Don't go blowing a trumpet, announcing it, putting on a gloomy face, looking all sad, like, oh, why is your face all sunken in, Tim? Oh, I'm doing a fast. I've been fasting for the last like four weeks <laughs> so oh man i got i got condescending joke voice going on here today 
pardon me guys it's been a long work week but that's how i really picture uh this going when people are doing this when i'm reading scripture in my brain uh and then what jesus says afterwards is really impactful he says don't store up you're yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust or where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is is where your heart is also and i'm going to get real here for a second for a christian this is a very big sign on how much you dedicate to god and I'm not talking about just money. I do believe money is a big part of it, but not just money, but your personal life too. If you take a look, let's just use the money issue here. So if you know me, I'm not, I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe tithing is a uh, New Testament concept. I believe giving is what we are called to do. The tithe, that was a tax. That was a tax for the church. Uh, giving is what Christians do of their own volition, of their own heart, because of the new spirit that we have in us. And we just honestly want to see good done. That's why we give. So when we look at our bank account, we open it up. How much of it is spent on selfishness and how much is it spent on God furthering his kingdom, etc.? Now, I'm not going to go ahead and label what those things are because everybody has different things and various, you know, ideas on what this is, and I'm not trying to get deep in the weeds on that. That'll be for another time. But do an honest look. Look at your bank account. How much is selfish and how much is for God? You know, that really says a lot. I once heard a sermon based on that, and that really opened my eyes to, I need to give more. And that wasn't making me give begrudgingly or giving out of compulsion or anything like that. I truly wanted to give because the truth was opened up to my eyes. And I knew I need to give more than I'm giving right now, financially. Now, it's not just finances, though. When we're talking about this treasure, sometimes it could be our time. And I once heard a pastor just say, actually, at a local church I just visited, I'm trying to find a local church right now to attend Uh, So keep me in prayers for that, if you all would, for me and my wife. But he talked about this exact thing, this example that I just gave about the finances. But instead of finances, he talked about your everyday life. If you just look throughout your entire day, how much time was given to glorify God and how much time was spent on your own selfish desires. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds just like the finance part and say, oh, you separate your work time out here and do this or do that. No, honest self-examination, how much is spent on selfish desires and how much is spent on glorifying God, whether it's reading your Bible, prayer, meditating on his word, listening to a podcast, listening to a sermon, talking with him about other people, spreading the gospel, whatever the case may be, how much of that time is dedicated to God? And then Jesus goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, what he's saying is anything that you let into your eye, any, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So what you're putting in front of your eyes is what is going to fill you up. So if your eyes are fixated on worldly things, on worldly desires, on money, uh, cars, video games, women, men, whatever the case may be, if that's what you're fixated on, that's what's going to fill you up. 
But if you're looking with your eye to God, you're going to be filled more and more with God. And that goes back to what I said. Look at your life. How much time is to God and how much time is to selfish desires? Are your eyes fixated on things of God so that way you will be filled with God? You know, this, and this totally repudiates what some people will say is like the, 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 the person who's a Christian but doesn't act like it at all, and they don't spend time reading their Bible, like, whoa, well, I'm saved. You know, I know I'm saved. At one point in my life, I said this prayer, I did this, I did that. And like, no, what you are fixating your eyes on is what you become inside of you. It's almost like you, you, you are what you eat or something like that in a weird way. But it's, it's true what Jesus is saying here. The eye is the lamp of the body so that if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if your eye is looking at all these bad things, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. Now, I know other people might have other interpretations of that, but that's how I see that statement that Jesus is making. In, number, in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other. So you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And that's really what it boils down to. You cannot serve God and wealth. You're either going to love one or hate the other. Now, does that mean if you love God that he, you have to abstain from any form of wealth? No. God may very well bless people with wealth because he knows them and he knows their heart and he knows they can handle it. And for whatever other reason that God wants to do it because he's God and he can do whatever he wants, yeah, he may do that. But there's a difference between having wealth and serving wealth. And I'm talking about the, the people that are constantly money hungry. It's never enough. It's never enough. They're constantly looking at the stocks and the investment market and, oh, Bitcoin's doing this and all these other things. If their focus and fixation and everything is on that, then it's not on God. And after that statement, Jesus goes into a wonderful message about the true cure. I said that really weird, but the true cure for anxiety and how that is looking to God and fitting your faith in God and just trusting in him for everything. He goes on to talk about, stop worrying about all these things, what you're going to eat or drink or wear. And then he goes on to say, look, God takes care of the birds and the lilies of the field and all these other things, and I feed them and I clothe them. Aren't you more precious than all of those? Don't you think that God is going to do the same thing for you as he does for them, oh, you of little faith? And then ends with a mark that I really have to read on days that I'm just stressed out on, where he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. All right, well, let's start talking about application. And I really want to get into really the first three parts that we talked about, and that was prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor. Not in that order. I know giving to the poor was the first one. Uh, and really going over this, why Jesus said, truly I say to you, after each of these statements, they have their reward. You ain't going to get your reward in heaven. You got your reward, which was the praise that you were seeking. And I think this is pretty self-evident, but how does that apply to our everyday lives? So let's just look at our situation we're in. We are in a place in time where the, the concept of me 
I, selfish desires, is promoted. Identity, self-identity. What do you identify as? You know, you be you. You do you. That kind of mentality is really put out there. And when you do this, are you doing it to get noticed by others? Or are you doing it for the glory of God? And that's something that you really have to ask yourself. And this applies in multiple different facets. Uh, Social media is a huge one. I talked about before with Alex and other times, you know, I got a TikTok account. I probably have about 20,000 followers on there. And I have to guard myself from being prideful. I'm just being real and honest with y'all. I need to guard myself and be in prayer that I do not let pride sneak into my head over that. And I need to pray over this and guard myself from this because pride is a sneaky thing and it can sneak up and bite you very, very fast. It can make you arrogant. It's everything the opposite of humility and just being humble. Humility is a very, very good virtue. Even if you're a leader, we always talk about taking pride in something. Be humble because what happens when you're humble is you know your faults. You know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, and you know to listen to others and to receive their advice. And specifically, when we're talking about Christianity, we know that we are not good enough. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We know we are poor in spirit. We mourn over our sin. We know we're not good enough. So we place our faith in Christ because we can't do it. That is a very big virtue and really kind of what we're getting at. But with social media, uh, you know, content creating and all these different things, it's, it really has a propensity. Number one, it can be used for very good things, and I truly believe that. But it also has a propensity to let pride sneak in so that way you can get noticed and you can get praised for what you're doing, even if you're pushing out something like Christian content. I'm not going to point fingers at any specific person, but what we need to watch out for is that pride that can sneak in. Are we searching for follows, likes, and comments, or are we searching to glorify God? You know, there's this uh, person on TikTok that I I met, and we actually exchange phone numbers, and we text each other every now and again. In fact, I want to have him on the show to talk about the Christian music industry, because he's a a Christian rapper, and a good one at that. Check out uh, Resurrection uh, and his his, uh, album, Back to the Truth. But he has this saying that he says on TikTok at the end of his videos where he says, don't follow me, follow Christ. And I talked to him, you know, how'd you come up with that? And really, he said it was because he was tired of seeing all these Christian content creators that were, oh, I use the word content creator, but he's tired of all these creators, these Christian content creators, these Christian influencers over social media saying, hey, follow me for this. Hey, like this video for blah, blah, blah. Like, who are you seeking to glorify with this? And granted, I'm sure there's some people out there that maybe just say it without really thinking of why they're saying it, but that's also part of the problem. We need to be following Christ, not people. People are used to go ahead and preach the word and to glorify God. And yes, we do have our favorite preachers that we like to listen to because we enjoy the way that they exposit the word and preach the word and put the word out there. But by no means does that mean we are following people. You know, like me, I I love listening to John MacArthur. He's one of my favorite pastors, but I don't call myself a MacArthurite or something like that. I call myself a Christian because I follow Christ. Let's think of another example. 
uh, more relevant for maybe people who aren't into the social media stuff or creating Christian content or anything like that. And by all no means, I'm not trying to say that that's for everybody and you should do that, you know. That, that's specific callings for different people for different things. But let's go ahead and look at another topic, that one could be church. You know, maybe you've been in a church before and you've seen that person, and I'm not trying to tell you to automatically label this type of person every time you come across them. I want to be very careful of that because maybe some people are a little bit more eccentric, eccentric, eccentric. Uh, I cannot find my words today. I think you know the word I'm talking about, you know, in church where they're a little bit more excited when it comes to worship. Now, sometimes there may be people who are literally doing that to show, oh, look how much I'm praising God. You know, they're jumping up and down and they're going crazy. And then when the sermon comes on, they're just like, okay, blah, whatever. It's for lunch. I just want the music so I can jump up and down. Look how holy I am. And I'm not trying to, once again, please do not go look at every single person like this who does this as this. I'm just, I'm more identifying this for if this is you, you are this individual, you know, self-reflection, looking at yourself and saying, am I doing this so that way people can notice how holy I am and how much I'm worshiping God? Or am I doing this because I truly love God and I just want to give him so much worship. It makes me want to get up and jump up and down and dance. Which, by the way, I know I'm more in the reform camp, but I don't see anything wrong with that. I know, call me crazy, but I, I really don't. Now, if you start rolling around on the floor acting like you're possessed or something, now, now then we got some issues. But, you know, jumping up and down and dancing and clapping, I ain't got no issues with that. Another example could be talking about God just in general, whether it's over social media or whether it's front of other people. There are some people that maybe they just want to talk about what they know, you know, maybe the more brain-centric person, the person who's very up on their knowledge, and they don't really care what somebody else has to say. They're just sitting there pining for the moment that they get to talk and insert their views and opinions. And I know this personally because I used to be like that. I can be very honest with you. I used to be like that. I used to just sit and wait during Bible studies. I would go through the Bible, and instead of looking for topics that could be used to edify and for writing down these notes that I, you know, God really showed me something, I was trying to write topics to be like, oh, look what I can say here. Look what I can say here. Look what I can say here. That was very, very unchristian of me. It was not a good thing. And I'm being honest with you here. I don't want to... Uh, hold anything back and act like I'm a holier than thou. You know, Christians struggle with these things sometimes too. And I really had to have God slap me in the face and show me how wrong that really is. I should be taking these notes and studying, not so I can talk about it with other people and show off how, ooh, how smart I am and I know about this doctrine, but so I can lift another brother or sister up in Christ, which is the whole point of why I'm doing this podcast. I mean, podcasts alone, podcasts, YouTube, there are so many good Christian content creators that lift me up, and I just wanted to do the same thing. The same thing can also be said about preaching. I, I had a pastor a few churches ago uh, that told me, you know, he would often get asked to preach, uh, or not he would get asked to preach, but people would ask him if they could preach at church. And, you know, he, he was very serious about who he let preach in church, you know, and making sure that they were discipled properly and that they were called. And when he rejected them or told them to wait or told them to learn or the very fact that they don't do anything else inside the church besides come to church on Sunday and keep asking to preach, 
and he offered his advice or he said, you know, slow your horses down, you know, in a very polite way, they would leave. And he came to an assumption, and he admits it's an assumption, it's not a fact, it's an assumption, that they really just wanted to preach, and they, if it wasn't, if they didn't get to be the one talking, if they didn't get to be the one speaking, if they didn't get to assert their views, well, they didn't want nothing to do with it, and they'll try to go find a place that would let them do that. Now, once again, I want to guard us, because this conversation can really go down a dark path where you start just looking at everybody doing something and you automatically have these bad thoughts about them. I'm not trying to do that at all. The reason what, why we're talking about this is so you, the person, and I need to do this too, is self-reflect on what we're doing for God and why we're doing it. Are we doing it truly for God or are we doing it for our own selfish desires and our own self-satisfaction? So if we can summarize everything that we've really been talking about today, especially that first half of Matthew chapter 6 and how we can apply that to our lives, just summarize it in almost like a blurb or a statement, it would be make sure that what we do, we do for the glory of God and not for the glory of self. We all need to take some time and honestly just think about that. Even if you are a true Christian, which I hope you are when you're listening to this, take some time, set it aside, and reflect upon your actions and ask yourself, am I doing this for God's glory or am I doing it for selfish desires? And here's not a bad idea. Ask God, God, if there is something selfish inside of me doing this for any selfish reason, please just remove that motive. Show it to me so I can repent of it. That is a great start in prayer, just as pretty much everything is a great start when it starts off in prayer. So with that being said, I know this was a shorter, different type of episode today, uh, and we'll go back to our in-depth Bible studies. Don't you worry. I actually have some interviews lined up coming up soon. I got another good friend from TikTok. She's going to come on, and we're going to talk about church hurt. Uh, which was a topic that got brought up from my dad's interview, and some people wanted some more clarification on that, on what church hurt is and examples of church hurt. And this is a person who honestly experienced that church hurt, because church hurt, uh, I'm saying that word a lot, that's kind of the key buzzword today, for when a church hurts you and does something wrong to you, and it can have the potential of just making people not ever want to go back to church again because that's what they label every church is like when the fact of the matter is that could have just been a very bad church so we're going to talk about that once we get her on uh, we haven't set a time or date yet but it's in the works so stay tuned for that and as we continue on we're going to keep going through these next couple of episodes uh, unless the holy spirit directs otherwise over all these different truly statements that Jesus has made throughout his ministry. Well, with all that being said, I hope you enjoyed it. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, gripes, whatever the case may be, go ahead, hit us up on social media. You can find us at I Believe Now What on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or if you're old-fashioned, you know, you can write us an email. I guess that's sad to say that that's old-fashioned now, but you can find us on email at ibnwpodcast at gmail.com. That's ibnwpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to go find me on TikTok, I didn't label it after the podcast because I really wasn't planning on my TikTok account being like a huge thing. It was really an experiment. Uh, but it's called at save 
I put at like, you know, but saved by the savior, all one word saved by the savior. That's where you can go ahead and find me on TikTok if you want to go there. Uh, so anyways, thanks for listening. I'm going to go ahead and end with the words of my buddy Rez. Like I talked about, don't follow me, follow Christ. <laughs>